Hi, I'm glad you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman, coming to you from Atlanta in April of 2021. Today, we're going to be talking about expectations of how the news media should cover animal issues, including a new campaign to update Associated Press guidelines on animals. My guests today are Anna Bradley, Executive Director of Sentient Media, and Dr. Deborah Merskin, Professor of Journalism and Communication at University of Oregon, and the co-founder with me of the animalsandmedia.org style guide. Anna's organization, Sentient Media, is a unique nonprofit journalism outlet covering the roles of animals in our daily lives. Sentient Media brings together reporters, academic writers, investigative journalists, experts in digital marketing and technology, communication community growth specialists and experienced editors to foster respectful reporting on animal issues. Their website, including news stories, is found at sentientmedia.org and sentient is spelled S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T. We don't see that word enough (laughs) in society, sentientmedia.org. Uh, that has some similarities with the mission of Animals and Media, the organization that Deborah Merskett and I run, which publishes an online media style guide for respectful, truthful, and inclusive representation of animals in journalism, advertisements, public relation campaigns, and entertainment programming. And these pro-animal and eco-friendly guidelines for media makers and the general public are found at the website animalsandmedia.org. Welcome, Deborah and Anna. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you well, very much. Yay. <laughs> what brings us all together today is a recent effort by Animals and Media, along with the animal rights group In Defense of Animals. And we don't have Alicia here, but shout out to Alicia Greif uh, uh, to share uh, information with the Associated Press about a coalition of support for the AP to update its influential style guidelines on animals, in particular, avoiding the use of the objectifying pronoun it when describing individual non-human animals. Deb, can you tell us more about how this effort got started and who's involved in kind of signing on to this letter to the AP? Sure, Carrie, I'd be happy to. I really appreciate the attention that you're bringing to this. And just say on the part of, as you know, animalsandmedia.org, we began our efforts back in 2014 to bring attention to how the representation of animals in media matters, why it should matter to each of us and how professional communicators can do a better job of respectfully and responsibly uh, representing animals, including the sources they go to. Related to that then, and we have Alicia to thank so much for helping us gain traction through- Yeah, in defense of animals, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. We plugged along as academics, as professors, and trying to do what we could with the, a little help, a lot of help with our friends who signed on, who are experts in animal media studies, as well as biologists and others. Um, And her work really gained traction by creating this letter that has more than 80 signatories on it now of individuals and organizations who, along with Dr. Jane Goodall, speak to the uh, crucial nature of identifying animals as individuals who have stories and histories and cultures and whose voices should be considered as stakeholders in decisions that affect them. And with this letter, we then sent it to the Associated Press, the representative there, asking 
for this kind of language to be included. And other organizations do this when they have special knowledge of a population, they say, look, certain words can be used respectfully and honestly and accurately, and maybe certain ones cannot. Here, let us provide this to you in order to, uh, to be more inclusive and be more accurate. And so just not even two weeks ago, this was presented to them and asking them to revise their guidelines and include this. Long this is, answer, but well, hopefully- what, And what is it, just remind us what their guidelines are for animals um, related, because it comes up related to not yes. knowing about the sex of an animal, gender, sex, um, or although sometimes I, the, the sex is known and people still describe an individual as it. So what, what exactly are, is our letter um, asking the Associated Press to change about their guidelines? Well, other than it, and it's interesting, uh, Microsoft Word and other spell check, uh, you have to override them when you are writing because it is so integrated into kind of the knowledge system of, of writing um, that if the sex of the animal is known, then to use that. Also, when um, some things are pretty obvious, if you're writing about dairy cows, she, right? Yeah, there is no milk, question right? yes. there about that or egg-laying um, chickens, right? We know we're not talking roosters here. So we would be very safe in assigning a gender pronoun to that animal. In some cases, animals are named. And we know it was Dr. Goodall who started the whole thing of not assigning animals numbers, but rather giving them names that really rocked the scientific community by doing so, which then begins to recognize them as individuals. And so when, when reporting to do so accurately and responsibly, if you know that about the animal, use that gendered pronoun to refer to them. If you do not, do not use it, rather use they, them, yeah. their. Um, or you could say he, she, it is a little clunky when you don't like it. A lot of times if we're talking about animals out in nature, we don't, we're not close enough to them to know I, that squirrel or if that songbird, uh, if, he or she, you know, we don't know, but then you could say he or she or they, as you say, but right now, yeah, as the guidelines tell journalists, if they don't know the sex, there, it's okay to say it, but I mean, they're, they're kinder to the animals, like uh, my dog back here, uh, who Elliot has a name. So they're like, yeah, okay, we'll use Elliot's name. And if you know, it's, it's him, say him, but, at, but most of the animals that we encounter and talk about um, we, the sex is indeterminate or unknown to us. And so, but we don't want to be dismissive, like you say, exactly. and just call them it. So we would like the, the Associated Press, because they're so influential to journalists to tell journalists, hey, it's, you know, really don't, don't call anyone it. <laughs> right, <laughs> if right, somebody right. is somebody, then don't call them it. Exactly. Someone, <laughs> someone not something someone, and, yeah. and a subject of a life, not yeah. an object. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and just let me read off some of the people who've signed on to the letter besides Dr. Jane Goodall, biologists like Dr. Mark Beckoff, Dr. Jonathan Balcom, 
Um, we've got leaders of organizations such as Center for Biological Diversity, PETA, Dawn Watch, Animal Legal Defense Fund, Mercy for Animals, Encompass, Animals and Society Institute, Animal Outlook, Non-Human Rights Project, Center for Animal Law and Studies at Lewis and Clark University, um, We Animals Media, Journal of Critical Animal Studies, Animal Sentient Journal, and, um, and Sentient Media, uh, which brings me to you, um, Anna. <laughs> um, your organization uh, was, you know, also on the letter here, what are your thoughts on existing Associated Press guidelines related to animal references and what needs updating? Yeah, I think you've both done a really great job uh, and everybody who's involved in this uh, with explaining, you know, what the asks are, why we need to do this. Um, yeah, I think this is a really important um, piece of change that needs to happen with urgency. I don't think we should delay anymore. This I know, is it's the like first 50 time. years overdue. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know why we ever started doing this yeah to your point of it, it's just not accurate you know we know these are we're talking about living beings here it's just not accurate to use the term it anymore you know we we know this um and it's interesting like since i signed the letter and have been talking about it um people have been coming up to me saying hmm isn't fighting for personal pronoun pronouns kind of you know small potatoes when it comes to fighting for the animals and to me, you know, involved in the media, obviously the answer is absolutely not. You know, the media plays an incredibly large role in shaping our beliefs, our opinions, you know, the language of the news and the media that we consume. It shapes all of our understandings of the world and what's going on around us and importantly, what kind of uh, behavior is acceptable. So to me, if the mainstream media, you know, fine, sentient media can be different in some other organizations, but if the mainstream media, uh, what most people are consuming, are referring to animals as it, rather than, you know, she, he, they, then the message, to me, it's abundantly clear that animals uh, are to be regarded as objects rather than living beings. And like you've both just pointed out, that's just not accurate anymore, you know? And I believe that the Associated Press uh, style book should be there to make us better writers and better right. publishers right but right now it's recommending we're using it so i believe it's you know you have to use it when referring to an unnamed animal of unknown gender which as you've pointed out already is all farmed animals yeah you know and we're talking about uh, you know what we'd like 72 billion individual animals raised and killed for food each year you know we're calling them it you know the equivalent of like you know a chair being thrown out um and exactly. to me i yeah, and that's <laughs> to convenient me, think... for the industry who doesn't want us to care about them, but it's certainly not convenient for the non-human animals because we're not doing this because they're offended because we get it that like Elliot doesn't care whether I call him it, he or she, but mm -hmm. I know that the way I refer to him to other people changes the way other people look at him, right, and treat him and other dogs or other animals. So yeah, so it's more about changing our society, um, mm -hmm. not not anything about you know what the individual animals um, care about what we say. Exactly, yeah. and I think that the problem is that baking into common vernacular that like human animals are who rather than it calls into question our entire way of living, like our food system, our makeup, our clinical laws, our sports, our leisure activities, you know, everything, like the whole kind of fabric of society that exists around us, whether we can see the exploitation or not, relies on the exploitation of animals. So looking at them as an it is 
you know, it's like ignorance is bliss. We can just keep on blind, blindly, you know, believing that this is the right thing to do. Um, and I think that this letter and, you know, making this change finally happen now um, would be a great step towards fixing this problem, you know. And we also, you know, to the point that we don't actually have to wait, you know, at Sentient Media, we don't follow the Associated Press guidelines when it comes to that. And other publications and writers don't have to either. Um, but making it public and making it more mainstream and accessible is so important um, to creating this change. I'm glad you mentioned that, Anna, because of course, yeah, anybody as a writer, you can do really whatever you want and you can take the higher road <laughs> in the way you do this. So at Sentient Media, which is your news organization, what kind of um, guidelines do you tend to tell the writers who write for you? I know they probably have some freedoms as well, mm -hmm. but are, are there some guidelines that you expect of writers on your site? And what yeah, are they? So yeah, so yeah, Sentient Media isn't waiting for the Associated Press style book to be updated. You know, we know that animals are individuals and not objects. So we do refer, we do use personal pronouns, he, she, or they, instead of it or that. Um, and our editor, Matthew Zampa, uh, he's done a great job working with the writers uh, that we work with. Um, and it's all written into our editorial standards, how to refer to animals. And we use that with any editor that we work with or any writer that we work with, whether they're creating something for our publication or for uh, you know, an outside publication. But I would add, it's important to uh, also meet people where they're at. So sometimes um, you will see terms like livestock or phrases like that, that in the animal protection movement, you wouldn't want to use. But the fact is that a lot of people who are researching or Googling, you know, for information about animals, they use that terminology. Um, so we've got a digital strategy that's uh, basically designed to be there for when people are asking questions on Google. So in order to make sure we reach those people who would use those phrases and give them, you know, a pro animal message, you will see some terms like that on our website. Um, you know, I think, it, you know, it's about kind of where what what stage we're at and what stage uh, like the rest of the world is at and we could leap ahead you know and start using all kinds of different words that would just mean we're stuck in the echo chamber speaking to each other so I think that peppering in some of these other phrases with our digital strategy you know it helps us reach outside of just the vegan community but when it comes to personal pronouns you know absolutely we we make sure that everything is edited to make sure that animals are referred to as the individuals that they are rather than as objects. And are, are there sometimes words that you're trying to avoid, like you say, livestock is such an objectifying term, but it's so commonly used, it's an industry term. So sometimes you do need to use an industry term if you're referencing a report, like the UN did a big study about climate and stuff, and they'll often talk about livestock, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so I think it's fair then to use that term when referencing that, and then we can start using, like referring to them as cows or farmed animals mammals exactly. you know or other terms are, are there other words that you are you know hesitant to use too often at sentient media i think anything that comes from the industry from the meat and dairy like industry the euphemisms so, exactly um so that's what we try to stick away from when it comes to our reported articles but when we are using you know we, we use key key search terms basically what are the most people searching for and we can use that in our headline and then in the in the body of the article explain you know what livestock means this isn't inventory you know this is a living individual um so we try to kind of bring people along on the journey but meeting them where they're at yeah would it also be that perhaps um i'm wondering on this so if you're referring to the industry right the yeah. livestock industry 
mm-hmm. as opposed to an individual cow or pig, right? Um, does that influence kind of how you choose the language? Um, would that be speaking to the audience there when you speak of the Cause it kind could be, of- we could, Like if you said poultry industry, uh, pork industry or something mm. like that, but not calling the individual pig industry. or chicken or cow, yeah, livestock or pork or poultry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, we did have an article that uh, got a lot of attention recently about the top pork, it was called the US top pork producing states, you know, because that's a key term that people search for. So that has a lot of people Googling that and wanting to know about the top pork producing states, which is obviously, you know, a, a very tragic title and headline, but it got so much traffic and so many people read it. And what they then receive on the actual article is something that explains, you know, what pork refers to and uh, tries to tease out the reality of what happens to these, you know, individuals and these uh, pigs on these farms. Yeah, I, and I, published, I get oh, that. There are just I was, that you have to kind of play around with language a little. Sometimes use the terms that people are familiar with, but then kind of either put them in quotes or flip it around mm-hmm. and then say, or in other words, you could say, you know, or like, because we'll say non-human animals or something, but mm-hmm. I'll sometimes just say animals. But I mm-hmm. also want to clarify that I'm an animal. So yeah. as human, so I, I won't always say that the, you know, maybe the, um, the most respectful language because it can sound a little odd if it's unused, it's not used as much, but we start playing around and using a lot of different terms and then it becomes more normal over time. Yeah, exactly. And as a way, I mean, to educate readers as they come along, right, to do that as well. And, you know, I will drop in, I'm saying non-human animal, but I recognize that still privileges the human, but- Whenever our language becomes awkward, we recognize that we're bumping up against a dominant social structure, right? If we cannot find the words for it, there's a reason, mm-hmm. right, for doing that. At the same time, you know, it would be kind of fun as a subversive act, maybe, um, Anna, I don't know if you've had that there, where an article is intentionally written, instead of saying pork, every time it would be pork, put the word pig and see how it reads, right? And, and, uh, yeah, or like pig flesh or something, even though that's not mm. the terminology that, that would be used. Flesh from pigs kept in captivity or something. Right, right. So you could just change it around a little bit and people then would still know what you're talking about, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's their flesh. Yeah. An interesting mm. exercise. Right. Yeah. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature, and I'm host Carrie Freeman interviewing Anna Bradley, Executive Director of Sentient Media. Their news website is sentientmedia.org. And Dr. Deborah Merskin, my co-author for the animalsandmedia.org site. And she's a professor of media and communication at University of Oregon. Deb, just briefly, where does the campaign with the Associated Press stand now in terms of what the next steps are since we sent the letter with all the signatures on it from so many writers and, and media organizations saying, hey, I think you need to update your guidelines. Uh, what was their response or what do you think is going to happen next? I think that, um, so it, it was sent and the response was um, one of, I believe that the next official update of the guide is in 2022, if I'm remembering that correctly, you can correct me on that. I can't um, although websites that. can be updated at any second, right? So yeah. something like that, or simply making a statement 
about that this would be forthcoming for these reasons would be an, an amazing thing that they could do to say, you know, we've been educated on this and we're joining on to do that. So right now it is um, kind of in their court to yeah. say, uh, I feel like personally, to be totally honest, um, I feel like we haven't moved the needle very much with them. Right. And that they're so like, we'll consider it when we consider other changes. Thank you for yes. sending it. You know, Thank I you do so think very it's much. a little. So part of me we'll wants see. to say, fine, you've given us your answer. And we believe people should know that's your answer. And then publicize the very many ways, just like you both have said, that you don't need the AP's blessing to be a writer. Um, in fact, there are so many other style guides out there and, um, there are so many, like every publication will have its own page that, um, talks about writing guidelines, guidelines for writers, just like academic journals will use American Psychological Association or Modern Language Association, or they'll all direct you toward that, there is absolutely no reason that any other publication, including newspapers and magazines, can't just do that, right? right? They're yeah. not the boss of them, if you will, in a way that might represent an antiquated system of reliance mm -hmm. on a way of doing things. I'm getting worked up here a little bit because I'm like, we need to really take this out there. And, and people are doing that. All of these signatories have gone on to share on social media, the fact that they signed on. Yeah. And, and I think that that kind of, kind of the wave is starting a little bit here. And we'll just also have to follow up with them when they do get together to review Absolutely. their next update. We'll see how they want to be right there with them. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, keep up the pressure on that. Well, to wrap up, Deb and Anna, if listeners are interested in getting involved with the efforts to improve news coverage of our fellow animals, what types of things do you think the general public can do? Um, yeah, so just to finish off what uh, Deb was saying there, like human animals are social creatures, right? And behavior is completely contagious. So <laughs> yeah. change, you know, change can really start anywhere. So whether it's your own writing or in the form of the Associated Press actually changing the style book, which they will one day. Um, but if you accept that non-human animals are sentient then and uh, individuals with lives, then start adopting she, he, they. It doesn't matter if you're vegan, vegetarian, like vegetarian, whatever. If you believe that the animals are individual, then start using those uh, personal pronouns. And if you're a consumer of media, then start calling it out when you see people referring to animals as it uh, or, or that or something, yes. you know, rather than someone. Um, and I'd also invite everybody who's listening who is interested in writing or wishes to write, uh, be an advocate writer, then uh, sign up for our writers uh, collective community. So we're doing online training, we have events, we have networking, mentorship, uh, everything you could want for advocate writers. Um, and our first course, Advocate to Journalist, is opening up soon and features lots of really great people, some of whom who have signed this letter and both of you, of course. Um, so yeah, I didn't, you know, you can find that at sentientmedia.org. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to invite everyone who's interested in changing through the power of the pen um, to yeah, sign up and join us. And I was gonna say too that like, it, cause definitely 
Deb and I, with our animalsandmedia.org style guide, we like it when people write to media makers or companies who do advertising that involves animals, anybody really, um, and give them feedback on, on mm-hmm. what they're doing. And then they can refer to the animalsandmedia.org style guide uh, when doing mm-hmm. that. And like one way that I stay up to date on all the news that relates to animals is by, I've been getting the action item alerts for several decades from Karen Dawn at Dawn Watch. And so, um, and so at dawnwatch.org, you can find, you can sign up and that way you, you get notified like, oh, the NPR just did this story or the Guardian just did this story or on CNN, they just covered this. Um, and then the, she helps give you the contact information so that you can write a letter to the editor and give constructive feedback, you know, never like angry, but just like, oh, hey, here's what we liked. Here's what we, you know, could be improved. And, mm-hmm. and it's important to give praise too. When you notice somebody, exactly. let's, let's also say thank you for um, using the, a, a, a non-objectifying pronoun in describing mm-hmm. the animals in your story. Right, yeah. right, absolutely. And, and remembering to praise. And I, I, I remember recently, Oregon Public Broadcasting did a story about an owl that was released from a wildlife rehab center here in Central Oregon, where I volunteer, and they made an effort. They consulted in the newsroom. They talked about it. Clearly, the reporters' consciousness had been raised about animals as individuals, and it was reflected in the reporting. They made that decision internally. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Anna Bradley and Deborah Merskin, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. And thank you both for the work you do to promote responsible storytelling that helps raise awareness among the citizenry for how we can begin to respectfully coexist with fellow animals. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time online at WRFG.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com backslash Nature. The views and opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers. I just love that you do this. It's so 